Hey, what's up, family? Welcome to another live Q&A with yours truly. Hope y'all are doing exceptionally well on this Monday. Hope you guys are getting a great start to your week. And I hope that you guys are really uh, uh, pursuing goals and pursuing your dreams. But as everyone is coming in live, let me make sure I talk to those who's watching me later. Those who's watching me later and it's your very first time, I want to say my name is Josh Rezzi, also known as Coach Josh. And my goal is to help you make sense of your life and to help you grow holistically for God's optimal use. And after you're watching, if you're like, man, I like this guy's vibe, go ahead and subscribe. But also, if you would love to get your questions answered like those who's going to get the answers today, uh, make sure you hit that bell so you'll know when I go live. But for those who's been rocking me, who's been subscribed for many, many years or many, many minutes ago, I want to say thank you all so much um, for entrusting the treasure that's been given to me. And I hope as I uh, deliver to you that it'd be a blessing to you. So thank you all so much for watching. Let's see who's in here. But also, let me say hello. To those who listen, we have a lot of people that listen uh, uh, from Spotify, SoundCloud, um, Apple Play, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. I want to say thank you all so much for, for listening, sharing, and all that good stuff. As everyone's coming alive, let me know that you guys know about some new things. If you need one-on-one coaching, I'm back at it. I'm probably going to coach for the next few months or so. And so if you need any assistance in relationships, your spiritual walk, your singleness, purpose, or branding, let me know. Make sure you uh, go to my website, imunplugged.com forward slash custom coaching, or just simply hit the link in my chat right now or description box below and let me know what your budget is for a week or for a month or so and i would love to see how i can support you also my latest book the wholeness journal is now available on amazon it's amazon uh it's a book that helps you uh reflect on your wholeness and your ability to hold the precious things of life so get that book also got a card game that was created with it it's called whole the first one who spell whole wins is a fun interactive card game for those who want to understand more about wholeness and to see if they're uh, able to hold through exercise mathematical equations etc and etc i think i've got enough people in the building now uh christopher uh well first time uh catching this in months due to university and youtube differences hope you're doing well coach all is well family hope you are doing well my brother we're glad to have you back in the mix. You said, if you don't mind me asking for a prayer request for my master's degree, yeah, I'll pray for you now. Father, I thank you so much for Krista that you uh, will order his steps and you, Lord, you said in your word that the steps of a good man are ordered by you. So Lord, I pray right now, Father God, that you would direct him, that you would be by his ear, letting him know this is the way, walk in it. And I thank you, Lord, that you continuously to add favor as he pursues what it is that he feels that you are wanting him to pursue. I thank you, Lord, for covering him and protecting him. And she's going to do pray. Amen. NJ Spence, what's going on? Uh, Tawana, what kind of questions can we ask? You can ask me any kind of question. God, life, relationships, singleness, purpose, branding, whatever it is, I would love to help you. Latrell, what's going on? Thank you for watching. Tierra Herbert, what's going on? Shalom to you, my friend. PTA says, hey, coach, how do you deal with friendships that seems one-sided where you get from beside it? Anytime you're in a friendship that seems one-sided and you've been investing in a relationship or friendship over and over again, it's time to move from beside that friend. Because oftentimes when you are an empathetic individual, a person that gives, a person that loves people, a lot of narcissistic and uh, selfish individuals love connect to those individuals because they benefit more from that person than, than they are, are able to give. And so if you feel that this individual is benefiting more from the friendship than you, and it's not just a seasonal thing, it's a big difference. 
in relationships and friendships, there are certain seasons where certain friends have to carry a little bit more because of what the individual is going through. But if 95% of the friendship has been one-sided and you're the one always calling, you're the always, you're the one always checking up, you're the always the one giving up your time, et cetera, et cetera, then it's time to assess either to match their energy or to remove your energy. It just depends. If it's a person that you just feel that's just immature or whatever, and you call to that individual as a friend, then match their energy and only give based upon what the Holy Spirit leads you to give in that friendship. But if it's one of those narcissistic or selfish individuals or people taking advantage of you, you got to move from beside those individuals and be okay with being alone. Oftentimes we get so caught up in staying stuck in these friendships because we don't know how to be a friend of ourselves. There's two friends you must have, my friend, and that means there's these two. You got to make sure that you are a friend of God. When you are a friend of God, you will become a friend of yourself, number two, and then you will be able to understand how to delegate your friendliness. Sometimes the lack of those two have us uh, uh, exuding from us uh, 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 more than we need to in our friendliness, attracting certain people and we make them friends and they don't, they don't have no endurance for them to endure to the end for you. So how do you deal with friendships that seem to be one-sided? Move from beside them, my brother. Romans helps with the university. Yep, that, that script. I think I know what the scripture is. Jojo Davis says, what's up, Coach Josh? Is Jojo out of Fort Worth? How do I learn to listen to God and put him first? Great question. Well, listening means uh, putting yourself in position uh, um, to listen, right? In order to listen, you got to ensure that your relationship with God is not one-sided. You got to make sure that your dialogue is not a monologue, that you're just not going to God and just giving off what's off your chest, venting, et cetera, et cetera, and then walking away. What's the point of asking a friend to meet you at a coffee shop? Then when you get there and you asking them for counsel and, and you're communicating your concerns, and then right when they're about to give you counsel, right when they're about to give you encouragement, you get up from the table and leave. We do that all the time. We go to God and we pray, we vent. We, we petition, we ask, <clears throat> we uh, we talk, and then about time it's time for him to talk back. We get up and get up, get along about our day. One thing about me, my brother, I have this type of vibe that I have with God that I never hang the phone up. When I communicate with God, I am always aware. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understandings, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. If you if you rarely or barely acknowledge God in your day, then you don't have a you don't have the posture uh, or, or, or you're not positioning yourself to listen. It is our responsibility to be cognizantly aware of where God is and acknowledge him in all of our ways. And in doing so, we'll be able to see God speaking to us through different kind of ways from inside our spirit, through the Holy Spirit, through circumstances, through situations, through people, through through a myriad of things. Right. So how do you learn to listen to God? Number one, you got to steal your life. You got to steal your life. You got to silence your life. You got to remove or let go of all noises. You got to remove all noises in your life. You got to make your life as simple as possible. The more simplistic your life um, come, becomes, the more you hear um, the things of God, right? So you got to simplify your life. Secondly, you got to acknowledge God a little bit more throughout your day. Let God feel that he's a leader. Let the Holy Spirit feel that he can lead and guide you into all truth. Right. And so you position yourself by number one, removing all unnecessary noises, silencing your life, stealing your life, removing all contradictory habits, sinful habits, things that are not going to benefit you. The Bible says lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets you, that clogs your ears. And then I want you to assess what do you really listen to? 
And then I want you to look at your relationship with God and say, how can I prioritize more time with God? Why will God speak to closed ears? And if you want God to speak more often, why will God give you a rhema word if you don't take time to spend time with his written word? Spend some time in his word. The Holy Spirit will guide you through the text. This is what I do when I read my Bible. I acknowledge God before I read it. Holy Spirit, lead me today as I read. Show me something I've never seen before. Speak to me through in the text, right? And as I'm going through the scriptures, I begin to hear and sense the Holy Spirit dropping ideas, dropping book ideas, dropping message ideas. Is, dropping metaphors, dropping different things, and my spirit is activated, right? And you also said, how can I put him first? First, you got to ask yourself, what is first? And why is it first? Because whatever you have first above God will have you quickly in a hearse, dead spiritually, dead emotionally, dead psychologically, dead physically, potentially. So if the first thing you got to do is, is ask, what is number one in your life? What is number two? What is number three? What is number four? Or where God is? How do you know where God is in your life? Ask yourself, what do you spend the most time with? What do you give the most energy to? What do you worship the most with your time, emotions, and everything? When you begin to answer these questions, then you can begin to repent and say, Father, I repent for putting these things above you. Holy Spirit, lead me in showing me the root reasons why I am so attached to these things being number one. So what are some things that could be number one? Selfish ambitions or success. Some things are relationships, et cetera, et cetera. And you got to allow those things to lay it down on the cross and say, God, take this. And there's nothing wrong. No, don't necessarily take this, but help me to prioritize it. There's nothing wrong with my wife. There's nothing wrong with marriage. But my wife and marriage becomes a detriment to me when I put it above God. So now, secondly, you got to see this is where the gospel comes in. You got to be able to see your dire need for God being number one. And how nothing else can stand unless God is at hand at number one in your life. So how do you learn to listen to God? You got to silence your life, make time for him, et cetera, et cetera. Remove all sinful habits and practices that causes more emotional noise than spiritual stillness. And then as to assess yourself and see what's really number one in your life. I want everyone to get a sheet of paper. I want you to write down literally, honestly, the top five things in your life. And for many of us, God ain't even in that top five. And we got to ask ourselves why. It all boils down to idolatry, insecurities, impatience, impulsiveness, and the such. Hope they help, fam. Tawana says, can a married couple divorce off of adultery in the heart alone, but nothing physical occur yet? There's such thing as emotional adultery. Now, I'm not going to sit there and make law about that. Uh, but, but at the same time, if that individual is emotionally connected, and sometimes emotional connections are greater than physical connections. They're both wrong. But sometimes when someone is overly indulged emotionally, it will uh, uh, go... Um, physical. Now, the first thing is, as, as a wife or a husband, you got to say, have I given God an opportunity to redeem this? See, the thing is, if it's redeemable, let it be redeemed. Let it be redeemed. I think sometimes we quit. At, and I'm not sitting there saying that you should stay in something abusive. But if your husband or wife is, is, is savable, redeemable, and it's a marriage that you want to see work, 
right? Let give God an opportunity. But if that person's heart heart, heart is so hardened that they're not going to listen to God, that's why God says divorce wasn't so from the beginning. But due to the hardness of man or woman's heart, God made way for this because God ain't going to want no daughter or son of his to be stuck in a hard-hearted uh, relationship where the individual does not have no desire to change. That's not fair to the individual. But I always tell people, make sure you ask them, is this redeemable? Everything must start with the Holy Spirit. You never know what type of testimony can birth out of this marriage. But if it's abusive and this person is narcissistic and this person is selfish and this person can care less about your feelings or whatever, then it might be time to consider it. But go uh, consider God first and ask him what is going on, what is what is whatever, uh, uh, because emotional adultery or so. Uh, uh, it's dangerous. The Bible does say that when a man looks at a woman with this heart, with a man, when a man lusts out the woman in his heart, it's as if he committed adultery. So the heart is just as bad as the actions of the hands. The actions of the heart is just as bad as the actions of the hands. And but at the same time, give God a chance uh, and um, um, have a conversation, have a, uh, whatever, and, and see how this marriage can be redeemable through the help of the Holy Spirit. Christopher Timmel says, hey, coach, what does it look like to fully submit to God and meditate in his word day and night? Great question, my brother. Um, fully submission to God is realizing your dire need and your 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 uh, 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 dire need of submission. And what I mean by that is, is that I can't have my mission. I have to submit to his mission. That's what submission is. Submission is realizing that my mission cannot compare to God's mission for my life. No matter how bad I want to do international business, no matter how bad I want to be, whatever, 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 it, it fails in comparison to what God wants me to do. So submission means or submitting is saying that, hey, man, in my own effort, in my own ability, I am flawed. I am incapable of fulfilling this thing called purpose. I am unable to be able to live this life without the help of God. And then when I realize the gospel saying that I am a wretched man, I'm a sinning man, and there, and all of nature proves that there's a, a divine creator. And that, that divine creation, that divine creator um, sacrificed his own son on my behalf, giving me a righteousness that I didn't deserve, uh, and, and, and imputing my sinful nature. Nature and all my sins on him, paying my debt and realizing I have an opportunity uh, um, to work on behalf of the Father for his kingdom, that I need a savior, that I need the sealing of the Holy Spirit in me. I need a change in my heart for anything else to be stewarded well, right? And then when you begin to see and assess your mission versus God's mission and how your life was ran by you as CEO and your life being ran by God as CEO, then you would be in, in more inquired, inquisitive, and excited about letting God lead you. So what does it look like? Number one, you acknowledge, and the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all is righteous. That's what submission means. Submission says, I seek first the kingdom of God. What's your position? What's, what do you have me to do today, Father? It's reporting for duty every day. Submission says when you wake up every morning, you're waking up with thanksgiving. You're waking up saying, God, I am here to serve you today. Lead and guide me into all various ways that you want me to serve. I'm going to slow my life down. I'm going to acknowledge you in all my ways. I'm going to I'm going to let you lead as I uh, maintain my post in the kingdom of God. People think the kingdom of God is just up there. No, kingdom of God is everywhere. And he utilizes us as individuals to push the agenda, push the kingdom in different cities in the school systems, in the church, in, in, in wherever civilization has an open door, right? So I'm seeking first his kingdom. 
and his righteousness. His righteousness is saying, how can I be more like him? I fully accept the imputed righteousness of Jesus, which grants me full access to God. And from that access, I start developing in character. I start developing in attributes. The access of the imputed righteousness that's placed in me has given me access. From that access, now as I engage with the Father through his spirit because of the Son, then I can start developing the attributes of God, which would then make me more righteous in my deeds, not in righteousness in my disposition. In my disposition, I am perfectly clean before God. What he sees in my life is the blood of the Lamb. He sees me as a son. The, uh, the righteousness in action indeed is from my fellowship and me being at uh at his feet. So that's what it means that I seek first the kingdom of God in in actions and responsibility and creativity in my job or whatever. His righteousness is how can I how can I uh, uh, uh um have better thoughts, better better walk, better talk, um better better interactions, better engagements, better stewardship financially. How can I become more like my father? And then the rest will be added. When you focus on those different things and trust his timing, trusting his timing means that, God, I am content with wherever you have me right now. Contentment means, like I've said in many videos, is that that's why God said, that's why you hear the quote that says, never build a house where you should build a tent. God's presence moves. God's presence is not stagnant. So you build a tent wherever he has you. That's what content means, that I'm content with wherever God has me. That doesn't mean I'm complacent. It just means I'm content because God has me here. And then when it's time, when God begins to move, I can pick up my tent and move with him. Because I know that wherever God has me is what's best for me. So timing. Now, how does one meditate in his word day and night? First off, this is what I do. And the Holy Spirit can show you something uniquely tailored to you. But what I do is sometimes I do a, well, not sometimes, but I do a proverb a day and a gospel a month. With my reading, I drive very slow through the text. I ask the text questions. I, I, I first, before I even get into the word of God, I ask the Holy Spirit to lead me in this reading. Take me different journeys that you never take me. Help me to scuba dive in the text to find the treasure. Show me things that would show me me. Show, let the word of God become a mirror. When you look at the word of God more as a mirror than something that you have to do, then you will begin to see a change in you. So meditating means that a proverb a day is good. The book of James is good to start off with and, and also a gospel. And then just read slow, read slow. And then you'll fall into a scripture that I have you sit there for a while and you chew on it. You, you ask it questions. This is how you meditate on the word of God. How does this word apply to me? How can I let this word change me? How, what is this word in context? What are some other things that I can get from it? Meditating on it can be, uh, um, Holy Spirit can show you a book idea. You see what I'm saying? Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test it to see if it's of God. That one verse produced this whole book. That one verse produced a 300 page book on how to help people discern the will of God. So me reading through that verse right now, uh, me, me and the uh, Bible class, my Sunday Bible class, we're still on the word beloved. We ain't even got to beloved. Uh, 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 don't believe every spirit. We at beloved. What does it mean to be loved? I can't even get past that one word. So right now you can spend weeks chewing on the word beloved. What does it mean to be God's beloved? Or do I even have I even accepted God's love? 
I did a whole video on Beloved, the last video, the last live I did on Saturday. So what I'm saying is I can't even get past the word Beloved. And, and that's a small verse by itself. So I'm chewing on it. Have I fully allowed God to love me? How does God's love on me help me to love my wife better? How can I put being beloved in loving my wife better? How can I put that into practice? So you can take one word out of a small verse and chew on it. Right now, we're still on the word count. Count it all joy. The word count has so much to it. Counteract, counterfeit, counterpart, counter, accounting. Accountant, like I'm, I'm looking at everywhere that comes to the word count. Just digging through to see what the Holy Spirit can utilize in just one word. <clears throat> so meditate on the word day and night is just finding a scripture that the Holy Spirit has led you to. You can go to Google, like if you're struggling with worry, anxiety, stress, or whatever, go to Google, type in scripture on stress, and just read it. And whatever your, whatever the Spirit of God says, that's the one. You take that scripture and you chew on it for weeks if you need to. Hope they help. Latrell Rush, how do you find your purpose? Great question. You find your purpose in the person of God, my friend. And what I mean by that is the more you engage the person of God, spending time with it will activate different things in you. What I tell people about purpose is sometimes we get so caught up on purpose, capital P, that we're not focused on being purposeful. Purposeful means that I have a purpose for everything that I do that, that is aiming towards this purpose. Right now, to a degree, I know to a degree what my purpose is, but I don't know it in its full totality. I haven't lived long enough to say, oh, okay. I haven't lived long enough to be 80 looking back over my life and saying, okay, that these two sentences uh, uh, um, defines my purpose. But the goal is in order for me to reach my purpose and platform and steward it well, I must be purposeful every day. Sometimes the reason why we never really tap into our full potential and tap into our purpose is because we're overlooking the lowercase purposes. We're overlooking the purpose of, of, of being a man of integrity, the purpose of being a woman of integrity, the purpose of stewardship, the purpose of, of being a man of your word, a woman of your word, the purpose of integrity, the purpose of patience, the purpose of peace, the purpose of the spirit of God, the purpose of reading the word, the purpose of prayer, all those purposes that should be disciplined in every single day, then prepares us as a person of purpose. And as we become a person of purpose, then we can actually be purposeful and then find ourselves eventually tapping into our purpose. But it all starts with spending time with the person of God, quieting your life, stilling your life, uh, uh, um, asking God, here I am, send me. Here I am, Father, your servant heareth. And, and spending time with him. And then you will begin to see your life change when you begin to see the purpose of the word, when you begin to see the purpose of prayer, when you begin to see the purpose of accountability, when you begin to see the purpose of integrity, when you begin to see the purpose of the principles of being a person of God, then you will begin to be developed with the characteristics and the proper mindset, the right perspectives that will then guide you into your purpose. Now, when you look at your purpose, whatever, there's some things inside of you that can give you a clue of what you're supposed to do, right? Uh, look at your skills. What is one thing that you do easily? Like me, I can get, I've been giving advice since I was a kid. You know, I'm a great listener. There's a lot of great skills. I'm a, I'm good with words. I'm a, I'm a wordsmith. So of course my purpose uh, plays, those things plays a part in my purpose. 
But then there's there's subsidiary purposes or side by side purposes. There's a purpose of me as a husband. How does the per what is the purpose of a husband? How does that play a role in the purpose of my personal life? When them be a parent, everything has to connect. And the only thing that can be supernaturally interwoven within all those different elements of life is the spirit of God and a person endeavoring to go deep in sanctification. Hope they help. Daughter of Zion said, hey, coach, I feel like giving up sometimes. How do I stay encouraged when nothing seems to be moving or changing? Um, the bamboo tree, when it's planted, it says the farmer goes out and waters that bamboo tree. And for five years, there's no sign of a bamboo tree. And in the fifth year of that bamboo tree being nurtured, being taken care of, it sprouts up 90 feet in that, in that season. So what I'm saying is just because stuff has been planted in your soul, which is like soil, keep letting the Holy Spirit water it. Keep watering that thing. Keep being consistent. Keep being persistent. We live in a generation where we're not, we're not equipped to endure adversity, but it's actually the adversity that builds us. See, right now, wherever you are planted, some people where they are planted, they think they've been buried. Things that are buried are dead. Those that are planted are alive. So sometimes our perspectives of where we are needs to change or needs to shift. Some people look at where they are and they feel like that's where death is. They're buried. They're buried in soil. They're buried where no one can see. So they think it's death. No, God's saying you've been planted. And see, seed on a shelf can't do nothing. Even though the seed has a potential force in it, if it's on a shelf, it can't do nothing. But soon as it's in the soil, the soil in its ability and what it is activates something in the seed. So could it be that where you're planted right now is the right place to activate the different skill sets, the different the, the levels of endurance, patience, uh, um, stewardship for you to actually uh, uh, sprout up 90 feet and produce, not necessarily as a bamboo tree, but produce branches like trees and fruit? So the enemy wants you to give up because he sees what's happening for you spiritually before you do. You don't think these demons see God working on your behalf? You don't think these demons see these angels backing up supernatural, spiritual U-Haul trucks about to deliver things for you? Have you do, do you not remember the story of, was it Daniel? And when Daniel prayed for 21 days or so, the angel came to him on day 21 and said, Daniel, we heard you on day one, but the principality of Persia was trying to hinder us. Could it be that that that, that it, what's on its way is on its way? And in you giving up, you're giving up your faith support, your power of belief that brings that thing in. So how do you stay encouraged? Knowing that there is a lot more going on than the naked eye can see. So you got to ask yourself, why do I feel like giving up? How could this adverse situation be the very thing that God can build the right character in me? You got to start asking your situation different questions. What kind of person do you need to be? What kind of person must you be? If you were God, what kind of adversities would he allow you to go through to build the character in you? Paul said, I knew what it's like to be a base and a bound. I know how it is to have nothing and to have something. If you don't know how to, if you haven't been tried by both extremes, then you won't be supreme. So how do I stay encouraged when nothing seems to be moving or changing? Stop focusing on the thing that's not changing and focus on the one who doesn't change. Who is your rock? Who is your sturdy? Who's your steadiness, right? And then build your faith in that, my friend. Build your faith in him. But ask your circumstances certain questions. 
and be like, hey, who sent you? Why are you here? What are you going to make out of me? What are you going to build out of me? And be encouraged in the little things. And actually, you can build your own encouragement by actually uh, um, bettering yourself. Hope to help, fam. <sighs> Great question, y'all. Jody Real says, I have made a lot of mistakes in my past life. And I used to live a very sinful lifestyle. How can I be sure that I'm going to make it to heaven knowing that I have done a lot of wrong in my life? Well, ask ask a lot of people in the word of God who did horrific things. Da David did a lot of crazy things, but God said he was a man after my own heart. Paul killed people. Have you murdered anybody? And I know my tone may be strong, but heart, have you murdered count dozens, if not scores of Christians? And then be turned around, used to write 13 epistles. Sometimes we make our past mistakes into idols. And then the enemy utilized those shrines to cause us to shrink in comparison to the grace and love of God that's supposed to embolden us to do great things. So heaven is not based upon uh, how how uh, how bad you was or it was about how how good the cross was and its ability. There's not one sin that the cross in his blood cannot pay for. And so it doesn't matter what your past, all of that is a reference now. All of that is something you refer back to, to utilize to help other people reach forward or to refer back to, to see God's grace and to see God's blood, to see God's love. So how can I be sure that I'm going to make it to heaven? The fact that you asked that question is a good sign, my brother. But the Bible says, walk out your own salvation with fear and tremble, with reverence and with understanding. It means that, you know, if you spend time with God and you begin to see fruit with bearing, with repentance, then you'll begin to see that there is there's evidence of that. And assurance of your salvation is possible. Is there is there a desire to change? Is there a new you arising? Do you do you have a remorse for your sins? Are you in awe of God? Do you love God genuinely, deeply? Those are great signs. Are you bearing fruit? Are you more loving than you used to be? Are you more joyful than you used to be? Are you more peaceful than you used to be? Are you more patient than you used to be? Are you more kind than you used to be? Are you more gentle than you used to be? Are you more self-control? Even if it's by this much, that shows that there's growth in you, my friend. And I'll probably do another video on what assurance of salvation looks like and what it means. And um, maybe that will help. Last one, I got to go. Maybe one or two more. <clears throat> probably last one. Uh, Miss Sky says, advice for a wife seeking to be more submissive to her husband, uh, how to not immaculate him, uh, immaculate him. I think I know what you mean. Uh, uh, when he makes mistakes with the marriage, within the marriage, even if I feel like I have a better idea, way to do things. Great question. Let's read it one more time. Advice for a wife seeking to be more submissive to her husband. Submission to your husband is a reflection of your submission towards God. Analyze relationship with God will show you a lot about your life. Now, a lot of women, or a lot of people in relationships, their relationship with God is more self-righteous, has more of a self-righteous tone than a genuine uh, change tone, right? So, so many people, uh, there's a lot of women that 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 uh, um, are so, uh, in, in certain um, Christian women to a degree, can become so self-righteous to a degree, and they can become so loyal to their church that they that they look at their husband as as second class to their pastor or to that man of God or to or to whatever, right? And so when you look at your relationship with God, everything must stem from there. 
the more submissive you are to God, the more he'll teach you how to be submissive to your heart towards your husband. And you have to, we have to change the way we view the word submissive, especially if your husband's a good steward, especially if your husband is scripturally, scripturally sound, especially if your husband is, 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 uh, uh, his sights are only on you. Especially if your husband submitted to the Holy Spirit's leading, then you should feel overjoyed to submit to him, right? So oftentimes, uh, um, our relationship with God, which is more to a degree in some people's lives, more transactional based, more so than transformational based, then what happens is then everything is based upon a transaction, right? But if it's transformational and you like, and you're humbling yourself like you're doing right now and seeking for guidance and, and going to God saying, God, I want to do better, then now it's time to put it into practice. Now it's time to spend more time with God. Now it's time to wake up every day practically saying, uh, Holy Spirit, I'm here for service for service for you today and in my service to him service to the holy spirit he'll then show you how to serve your husband with a tenderness of heart and so basically when it comes to your and you understand men are going to make mistakes we have you we have to uh understand the difference between god and your man of god and sometimes we could put perfection on a man especially uh, uh, when, when, when you've been taught about manhood from women, the issue with a lot of women is they have been taught manhood from women and you can't learn how to, how to be there for a man or how to steward a man from women who don't have a man. How, why are we getting it? Why are women getting advices from women who ain't got no man in life? They don't got no evidence of stewarding a man. They don't got no 40 years of a good marriage. Right? So what I'm saying is you got to say, okay, if you don't have that, in your repertoire, in your in your community, then you have to now go into scriptures and spending time with God, and He'll show you supernatural without a reference point. See, me and my wife didn't really have our father in our home. That's not gonna make that's not we're not gonna make that into an excuse on 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 why or whatever has happened in our marriage. No, we the Holy Spirit is a supernatural father to us. He's a supernatural guide to us, and He will show through our uh, branch on this family tree that anything is possible. So you have to understand that your husband's not perfect. Your husband's going to make mistakes. He's going to he's going to make mistakes and that's okay, especially if he has evidence of submission to God. Especially if he has a, a scriptural soundness. You can be fully submitted to God, scripturally sound and still make a mistake because he's human. And when you begin to take the divine out of your husband and know how to separate the two as the divine is working on the inside of him, not seeing him as someone that should be perfect, but a man is going to make mistakes, then you will be gentle. And the best way to be able to uh, help nurture a man is to make sure that you look inside of yourself and say, is there any type of hurt in me? Is there any type of feminist feminism in me? Is there any type of uh, ego and and or poor stewardship or self control of my emotions? Is there any type of hatred towards my ex? Is there anything in me that's contributing to me kind of being overbearing? So when he makes a mistake, <clears throat> let him figure it out. Now, especially if it ain't no mistakes of dealing with lights and water and the necessities of life. If it's a mistake in tone, if it's a mistake in overspending in a certain area at one time, if it's little mistakes, then let those things slide. You know what I'm saying? Because I promise you, if you got a good, solid man of God, he's going to find a way to turn it back around. Because if he's submitted to God, most of the things you should not even bring to your man. You bring to the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit will then show your husband where to make changes, especially submitted. That's why, ladies, it's important to marry a man that God has for you who has been in the hand of God so that he can become the man of God, so that he can be submitted to God, and so that whenever you got something going on in your marriage or you're concerned or unstable or you're not secure in it, you can go to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that you've been engaging in. That's why it's important to have your own relationship with God as a woman so that you can be able to communicate with him so that you don't have to always bring everything to him. But when the Holy Spirit brings to him, the Holy Spirit knows how to bring it the right way. Sometimes when you look at the mistake and you look at what he did wrong, then all of a sudden you start having a different tone. Then obviously you might have a, a different posture, especially if you're uh, highly educated, especially if you've been alone for a long period of time. And you've been a great provider for yourself. You have to understand that a man likes to feel needed. You see what I'm saying? And so when you begin to see the, the ability your husband uh, has and, and, and how that he going to make mistakes and you got the spirit of God in your marriage, then you will begin to see the Holy Spirit changing without you even saying a word. And sometimes you just got to be kind. That doesn't mean you be blind, but you just be kind. And then there's a way to bring it to me. It's how you bring anything to a man. I call it a spicy chicken sandwich, right? You probably heard this in other videos. Maybe not you, but others have. You uh, comp compliment, critique, compliment. So when you get to your husband, say, babe, you are a hard worker. Sit on his lap too. Wear some short shorts. Wear something that you know your husband like. You sit on your husband's lap and be like, babe, you are an amazing man. You work so hard for me. You provide so well for me. I just appreciate what you're doing. But babe, you know how to do it. But babe, rub his back. But babe, I've just noticed a couple of things and it kind of bothers me. But I know you've been busy. I know you've noticed it. But I just want to let you know that it kind of bothers me. And then watch how the difference uh, of response will come out of your husband when you do that versus I don't like it when you or always nitpicking at the stuff he does wrong, but not celebrating what he does right. And so if you see that there could be a better way, what you could do is, Holy Spirit, um, open up an opportunity for me to talk to my husband about a better way and wait till the Holy Spirit opens the door. Or you can just put on some short shorts and, you know what I'm saying, do the spicy chicken sandwich. Either way, do it the spirit's way first. Then you can do the chicken sandwich if you want you to do the chicken sandwich. But what I'm saying is there's, a, there's always a right way to do something. And men don't like to hear that they've been doing wrong. Sometimes in certain marriages, in certain situations, uh, women and men will give their spouse a maximum punishment for a misdemeanor. All they did was jaywalk and obviously made them feel like because you still hurt by who hurt you 20 years ago, you, you put that man in jail for 20 years to life because he jaywalked. So hope that was a blessing. Thank you all so much for watching. Uh, make sure you go to my website, IamUnplugged.com for all books, card games, resources, anything that you uh, you can go there to find things that will benefit you and help you, especially if you need one-on-one -on -one coaching. If you want to have uh, me help you with your relationship, whether it's pre-engagement coaching, co uh, uh, dating co coaching, marital coaching, uh, any type of relationship, uh, son and daughter, dad and daughter, whoever it is, right? Or spiritual coaching, I'm here for you as well. If you're having a rough time in your signals or you want to learn how to maximize it, I coach you that as well. If you want to help, want me to help you find your purpose, help you with branding and all that kind of stuff. All got more stuff on my website as far as niche, niches. So make sure you check out my website there. Also, check out my eighth book, The Wholeness Journal. 
um, a book that helps you assess whether or not you're whole enough to hold the important things of life, over 125 reflective questions, as well as 25 articles to help you understand wholeness, as well as 52 journal entries uh, for you to be able to hold your wholeness accountable. Also created a card game called Whole. The first one who spelled Whole wins. is a fun interactive card game uh, for people to play and to, to see if they're the right way, the person need to be. Uh, also, great interactive stuff there. Also, my uh, another book called The Purpose of Singleness, Are You Whole or Full of Holes? A great book for singles, for individuals that really want to make sure that they are maximizing their singleness. I got a book called Dating Prep. It's a book to help you date God, date yourself, and become dateable so that you can date the love of your life forever. It's over 100 or so questions in this book to, to help you either end the wrong relationship or extend the right relationship. Great book there. If you're struggling with soul ties or strongholds, I got a book called The Purpose of Freedom, How to Untie Soul Ties and Uproot Stronghold, Who the Sun Sets Free is Free Indeed, but that individual have to fly in freedom. So many people are sitting in cages right now for years, but God done been done, open that door, but you have yet to fly in that freedom because you're tied. This book has prayers, has uh, principles and patterns and perspective shifts. To help you untitled soul ties or strongholds. Another book that I wrote on a, on a book on discernment is called Counterfeit or Counterpart: How to Continue to Discern the Will of God in Every Area of Your Life. A great book on discernment and how God confirmed things and helping you know the difference between a counterfeit and a counterpart. My wife and I also created our children's book called As He Says, Asiums or Wise Sayings for Students That I Serve. Great book there um, for young people, kids, fourth, third grade, and up. To help them really process their art form and how God wants to use it. Also got a book on spiritual warfare, World War Me, How to Win the War Within. You can beat, you can defeat any war outside if you have already won the war in you. It's a book on uh, whole, the whole armor of God, help you better understand each armor of God and how you can incorporate it in everyday life. Also check out the merch. we got a lot of stuff on our website right now. I am unplugged. Dot com. If you feel led to give and you feel like the Lord is leading you to be generous, we uh, um, uh, thank you in advance for your generosity. We appreciate you guys' support over the years. You guys are helping us transform a lot of young people's lives, helping them get their purpose. That's our goal in the school system is to help kids find a purpose and to continue to create resources and tools to help you guys grow in your spiritual walk. And so if you feel led to partner with us and support us in that financially, we appreciate that in advance. With all that being said, we love you all. Oh man, all these good questions. Uh, I gotta go. I That's it. Uh, I'm just sensing my spirit. I'm out of here. Love y'all. Y'all be blessed. See y'all next time. Peace.